Welcome to this special presentation from our friends from LICMC. This is a powerful interview with London interviewing Mark Soresby, author of the book, Forgive the Nightmare. For all those of you that are going through broken hearts, broken dreams, broken pieces in your life, I think that this special interview will speak to you. Hey, this is Irene. I've been waiting for you. Thank you for joining me, mixing it up with me right here on The Mix. You're listening to CBiz Media. Welcome, 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 everyone. We are so happy to be here. And we are on all the platforms and LICMC Radio. So hi to everybody, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LICMC, and all the rest of you. And we have a very wonderful guest here. How are you, Pastor Mark? I am well. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I'm really honored to be able to share my testimony and lift up the name of Jesus with you and your podcast and all your formats and everybody that's listening to us tonight. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Amen. I just think it's just uh, it's a blessing to be able to speak to someone uh, that has such powerful testimony. Uh, and it just the whole title of it is Forgiving the Nightmare. And I just think a lot of people are touched by just the title of that. And also from all the things that you have gone through as a as a as a baby young man until this present time, you are serving the Lord. Uh, you're a pastor, so so let me stop talking. I'm gonna ask you to just introduce yourself and just tell us about you and your book, and we can. Well, thank you again. Uh, I'm honored, and, and I appreciate you allowing me again to share. And boy, what an introduction! You know, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and that's and I'm blessed to have a testimony that God delivered me out of. And I'm blessed to be a pastor and preach God's word. And I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a neighbor, I'm a friend. But my story is called Forgive the Nightmare because I believe everybody has some kind of nightmare in their life, some kind of thing that happened to try to trap them, control them, a trauma. We all have traumas that we live through and in and by. My nightmare was child abuse. From the ages of seven to 14, I was abused by my mother's husband. She would marry a man 20 years her younger, and he would come into my life when I was seven years old and begin to abuse me. He groomed me before those years, but then began to abuse me by uh, molesting me, by uh, insulting me, by beating me, by selling me to others for, for their own pleasure of abuse. And in that place for seven years of my life, from seven to 14, that's the only thing I knew. It's the way life was. That was the atmosphere that I lived in, it was the abuse, it was the horror, it was the pain, it was the beatings, the stabbings, the cuts, and that was my trauma, and that was the journey I had to go on to be able to say, Lord, can I really forgive those who trust past against me? It didn't happen overnight, it wasn't an easy journey, there was a lot of ups and downs, one step forward, two steps back, it was filled with tears and angers and expressions, but I can tell you today, by God's grace and only by God's grace, can I say I have forgiven? And it uh, doesn't mean I have a perfect life. doesn't mean I still don't have my triggers, but I'm able to forgive those things that was never meant for me, what the enemy tried to steal from me. But God has given me life and life more abundant. And I'm so thankful for God's grace. So yeah, from the time of seven to 14, now I'm on the other side of 50. 
So this is back in 1977 to 1984. So that's a little bit of my story and my journey. And my book is called Forgiving the Nightmare because I explain how I found that path for me that I want to share with others to help me find forgiveness. Again, not an easy journey, not one without its trials, but one that I can say today, God's given me grace. Pastor, 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 pastor. My goodness, you are a miracle and a blessing. A strong, uh, man, it's reality life, but look at you now. It's, and while you're talking, I said, oh my God, I didn't ask Pastor to please drop us with a prayer. So can we go into this prayer? Because, and so as God leads us through the journey of this conversation, thank you for, for telling us everything thus far. Would you mind giving us a, a brief prayer, please? I would prayer, be please? honored to. Amen. Lord God, we come to you tonight. We thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you that you died to save us, Lord. And Father, I pray tonight as we come to this testimony, it's not to glorify man or to lift up the past, Lord. It's to glorify you, that you're the light and the darkness. You're the salt of the earth. You're the truth and you're the hope, Lord. So I pray anyone that's listening tonight, that, Father, you will uh, pierce the hearts of those who need this testimony. That say, no matter where they're at, that you can reach into their lives, Lord. We don't live perfect lives. We live forgiven lives. Lord, we pray for the, the systems, computers, microphones, and lights. But, Lord, we ask you to be with it all. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' amen. name, amen. What I love about you, Pastor, as soon as we actually literally connected, that's what you did. The first thing you did was, can we say a prayer? And so my, I meant to say that first, but uh, thank you for that beautiful prayer. You know, uh, it's just a whole lot to digest for some, you know, there's many people I'm sure that's, that's maybe suffering out there right now. And if they look at you and hear your testimony, I'm sure, they'll find some, some way, a uh, spark of light. Um, as I was listening to your story, <clears throat> excuse me, as a child, it's just kind of, you know, it's unbelievable that a, a person have to, would go through that as a child. Um, and you came out here as this big gleam of light right now for others, but there's many people I know they suffer with uh, depression, uh, suicide, all these different things because of, a different situations that people have been in. So I'm looking at you and I, and I just want you to just, can you walk us through and tell us how you came to this point and how did you even, how were you delivered uh, physically from a situation? And then talk about your, your spiritual deliverance as well. Sure. Uh, again, like we said in the beginning, everybody has a trauma. You know, my trauma was child abuse. And maybe some of your listeners today can identify to that identified with abuse and the sorrow, but there's many, many, many other kinds of traumas that, that want to pierce our dark, pierce our hearts, you know, uh, addictions and deaths, sorrows, divorces, all kinds of things. I, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a preacher with a testimony, but I, I'll tell you what, really, I have to back up a little bit and say, you know, everybody's story starts with somebody else's story. And my story starts with my mom's and my mom came from a broken and her past because, you know, it was a different generation. My mom graduated high school in 1958. She wanted to be her high school sweetheart's wife for the rest of her life. That's the only dream she had. She didn't really uh, aspire to be anything else but the missus. And uh, she was, she graduated in 58. She married her high school sweetheart in 59. And my older brother was born in 60. Uh, my my mom, that marriage would fail because of a lot of sorrows and pains, abuses and, and affairs. And 
There was my mom wearing the scarlet letter of divorce, feeling broken, feeling insecure, feeling bad about herself. And she'd meet my dad. My dad would promise her the world, but to come to find out my dad was married to another. And uh, it, was a, it was a difficult time, an affair in her life that she felt so ugly from. And my dad would leave the picture as soon as he found out I was coming. So by the time my mom met this man that was 20 years or younger, she was already a hot mess, if you would say. She was living in fear and pain and insecurity. It doesn't justify, it doesn't excuse uh, what she did in her life, but it helps me understand. So my mom came from all this pain, all this sorrow, all this rejection. So she really started to interpret love as enabling. You know, enabling became love for my mom. So she met this guy 20 years or younger. He'd come into our home. And again, you heard me say earlier, he would abuse me, some of the others, verbal, mental, emotional abuse. And at 14 years old, I got big enough to fight off my attacker. So that's the first thing that happened. I, for seven years, this happened to me. Did I go to my mom? Yes. Did I, did I try to escape at times? Sure. I felt a lot of feelings in those seven years, but I, I, mostly what I felt in those seven years was numb. I was just numb. And we have to go back, like I said, in those days, uh, people tried, if you didn't talk about it, it didn't happen. My mom came from that generation. If you, you kept your dirty laundry in behind the closed door, and if you didn't talk about it, if you didn't mention it, people pretended like it didn't happen. And that's kind of where my mom came from. And that's kind of home we grew up in. But today there's so much support and awareness and advocacy and groups out there. There's a camera everywhere. So it's not like it once was. It's still as ugly. Abuse is still as ugly. But there's a lot more awareness of people reaching out. So at the end of seven years, again, I'm 14. I'm getting stronger. I figured if you're going to take me down, I'm going to take you down. If you're going to try to steal a pound of flesh from me, I'm going to try to take a pound of flesh from you. I was a child. I reasoned like a child. So part one is I got big enough to fight off my attacker. The second part is when I found an adult that would believe me. I found an adult that would hear my words and stand up for me and protect me with their words, love, and action. So that man was my uncle. He came into my life. Well, he was always in my life. But I went to that day and I, I told my uncle what was happening. I, I told him what was going on. And, and he looked at me as a blue collar guy. loved us with the, the, all of his heart. And he looked at me and he, and he said, Mark, are you telling stories, buddy? I said, no, uncle. And he just came beside me. Him and my aunt just came beside me and they just loved me. So two things. I was getting big enough to fight off my attacker. And the second thing is, as I was, I found somebody who believed in us, believed me. And those two things happening at the same time was very powerful. So the physical abuse ended at seven years, at 14 years old. The, the physical abuse ended. But I'll tell you the scars, the lies, the insecurities, the fears, what my abuser took was much more than the pound of flesh, much more than the abuse, even though I know that was ugly and that's difficult. And I know how big that abuse was, but his words echoed in my spirit, in my heart for many, many years. And I became a Christian and at 16, 15, 16 years old, only about 12 to 18 months after the physical abuse ended. And I started to walk this journey with God, not coming from a Christian home or a religious background or a biblical centered home, I just started to say, God, I want you. And that's where the journey started to begin. And in that, there was ups and downs and lefts and rights. Wow, that, that is so amazing. Um, 
that you've come this far. And like you said, it's, this, things don't clear up overnight. Um, one, a couple of things that you, that you were saying to me is you found some, you found somebody that you could talk to, um, and then somebody that loved you. Amen. And so, and between Amen. the two of those, that sounds like, you know, there was a, there was a little light there for you. Um, right. and I know, I know a lot of people suffer, they may or may not have that. Um, so would you say someone that's going through this type of, uh, situation live right now, because like you said, at that time, like people sweep things under the rug. But I also find this time people at these times and these days, people still sweep oh, things man. under the rug. I've had people uh, that are adult now, but they tell me what they went through as a child and they went to go tell their mother. They went to tell their father uh, and they didn't believe them. Sure. So it's just a lot of issues that can be tied to that. Maybe fear. Uh, you know, I, I was so happy when you said at 14, you fought back. That really, God was really, uh, the power of God was working with you then as becoming a, a young man, um, just to feel strong enough to do that and not totally succumb to that for your entire life. So uh, what do you have to say to, to people that's going through right now and, and they, they feel that there's no way out? Sure. Sure. Well, I think there's a couple ways I can respond to that. First of all, I had this vision that when I would be healed, if you would, or, or when it was all taken away, when I felt normal, or whatever word you want to use there, I thought one day I would wake up and all that pain would be gone. It wouldn't, I'd never think about it again. It would be, a, it'd be away from me. Uh, I would, you know, tiptoe through the tulips with butterflies and unicorns. But that day never really came. And the, that abuse became the Everest, the mountain that casted its shadow in everything I did. Every word I spoke, every decision I made, every situation I was in, the abuse was always about me. It was kind of like a rudder on a boat that I steered my life by. And I used to think, okay, I'm going to wake up one day. I prayed hard enough. I read the Bible enough. It's all going to be gone. What happened was is, is that mountain has never gotten smaller. Now, I want you to hear this because it sounds, I want you to what I'm going to say. The mountain of abuse never got smaller in my life. What happened is God got bigger. God's word, God's grace, God's love. So that mountain of abuse is huge, but God's bigger. He's stronger. He's mightier. He's, his love, his spirit, his word is so much bigger than the lie that the enemy tried to trap me in, that, that tried to control me, tried to steal from me every blessing, every, you know, I don't, I know I was abused. It's a part of my story. I don't pretend it didn't happen, but it's not who I am. It's not my identity. My identity is in Jesus Christ. I tell my church all the time, I don't live a perfect life. I live a forgiven life. I live a redeemed life. And I'll tell you today that God becomes bigger than all that pain. Like I said, I used to think it's all going to go. It's never going to haunt me again. I still have my triggers. I still have my good days and my bad days. I still certain smells and sounds and attitudes can bring me right back. But God reminds me he's big. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say, which is kind of different today, is that there's many people out there that want to help you. You're not alone. There's people who have been abused. There's people who have been through traumas, death, addictions, sorrows, pains, all kinds of things. And there's so much support out there. There's counseling and coaching and pastorals and, and whatever you need. There's people out there. It's only a click away. 
you go online and, and you can find all these groups and support and people out there to say, you know, you're not the only one. The lie of the enemy is to make you think you're the only one that's ever been abused. You're the only one that went through an ugly divorce. You're the only one that's had financial trouble. You're the only one. But you know what? So many of us have had these things which carried quietly that begins to eat us up. And that anger comes out somewhere. That pain comes out somewhere. Uh, sometimes it's on ourselves. Sometimes it's on other people. But I'll tell you, you're not alone. The journey's not easy. I didn't go to church one day, say a prayer, gave an offering and went home and it was, it was all done. This is years of one step forward and two steps back. Wow. So what you're saying, if people, somebody can be on the edge right now, but if they just listen to you, um, you know, they can be an edge in so many ways. Edge of a breakdown, um, nervous breakdown, uh, edge, depression. Uh, those those spirits are very strong. The enemy likes to place into um, your emotions, into your heart, to your mind. And I just still see the God. You're just an amazing miracle of God. That's all I can say. Um, because a lot of times, some people's lives, their whole life is altered by these types oh, sure. of incidents. Sure. Sure. Um, they have totally, totally changed their whole life of who they are, who they're, they're supposed to be, um, into a whole other type of lifestyle. Sure. Uh, so for to watch you listening to you like you know this big light from God here this yeah. that's speaking out to people right now that are hurting and that that may you know they may be 50 60 40 30 whatever sure. age sure. is sure. they're still suffering um I just spoke to a young lady that had gone through um uh, and her lifestyle she ended up doing everything in her life. You know, but now she's in the ministry though. Amen. But she talks about that some more. I need I don't know if I can get the two of you together. I'll probably say it off in the scene. But the hope okay. the point of it is uh I'm listening to you, Pastor. Now you don't you have every right to have uh have anger, whatever, but I don't I don't get that from you and I don't feel that from you. And I know some days you may like you said, some days you might feel feel have one of those days. But as speaking to this young person that I was talking to, she's I think she may be in her fifties now. To listen to her talk, she all the anger is still coming out, mm. and she mm. said it'll never go away. It's still coming out. So, what do you have to say, someone? Because you know, salvation is the only thing that's going to save all of us. Really. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So what do you, I, I'm still, it's a lot to ask you to say sure. that because we can talk forever and ever, but somebody that's listening that is um, beating themselves up, they feel guilty, uh, the guilt of the sins that was brought up on them. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. some people may even feel like it's their fault. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you said you fought, you were able to fight your way out, but you were a baby. So it took you to become a teenager sure, to, sure. to, to be, get your, your physical strength up. Um, God had planted some type of seed in your mind to, to, in your spirit for you to be able to do that. Cause I, from what I hear many people, they may not be able to handle it such as what you did. Well, you know, again, I, I felt all those feelings that you're speaking about confusion and guilt and shame and everything that pe people want. I'm no different. Uh, the only difference is, is that I allowed God to pull me out of that miry clay. And I know people that are listening to me, I want that too. And what happened in that journey is I had to kind of wrestle with what is forgiveness. 
you know, I was always told forgive and forget. And we've all said that. Forgive yeah. and, and I said, Lord, I can't forget. How can I forget how much my body was molested, how much was stolen from me as a person, you know, how much this abuse altered me? I'm sure it did. Of course it did. It was, you know, I had all everything it stole from me, the physical, the emotional, the value. So how could I ever forget that happened to me? So I had to really come to understand what Jesus meant by in the Lord's Prayer, forgive those who trespass against me. I had to really come understand understand what it meant to forgive. And that meant learning what forgiveness is, not just what people told me about forgiveness. So I've come up, it's in my book, Forgiving the Nightmare. There's kind of a little five-point thing that I share about forgiveness. First of all, we don't for, we don't forget, but we're still called to forgive. How can you forget when somebody's taken so much? But still, even though we don't forget, we can still forgive. And forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean I don't want justice. Forgiveness doesn't mean I don't want righteousness. I may forgive, but it's not saying it's okay. I'm not excusing your, your behavior. Forgiveness for me also it, it doesn't mean that I don't want healthy boundaries. It doesn't mean I have to have a kumbaya moment and have Christmas morning or Thanksgiving meal with the person who abused me. I can have distance. I can have walls around that. I can have boundaries. Also, forgiveness for me doesn't mean that it's a one-time deal. You know, Jesus said in that same prayer, give us this day our daily bread and help us forgive those who trespass against. I think that daily part reflects to both. So sometimes I have to forgive daily. Sometimes I have to forgive two or three times my mom and my abuse and others that, that hurt me. So again, I, I, I remember that I don't forget. That's just lying to yourself. How can you forget when somebody has pierced your body with so much hate? And, and again, doesn't mean I want to have, doesn't mean I have to have a, a relationship. I can forgive and still have boundaries. I can say I forgive. That doesn't mean I'm excusing it. I can still want to call the cops or find justice. I'm not saying it's okay. And again, forgiveness doesn't mean it's it's a one-time affair. Sometimes you forgive, you know, one day, one time a day, two times a day, sometimes every day. So it helped me to understand what forgiveness is. Because I used to have this concept, okay, I'm going to forgive and I'll forget and then I'll all go away. And that didn't happen. But People have asked me many times, did you have to forgive yourself? And, you know, I don't know if I had to forgive myself because I never thought I did anything wrong. But the Bible tells us to love ourselves. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I realized because of the abuse, I wasn't loving myself. Now, hey, I'm not talking about some narcissistic view, but I'm talking about a healthy view. And where did that view come from? By loving God. And if I'm a child of God, if I've been created by God, if I have a heart after God's heart, and it's still being worked on, and sinner saved by grace, and I'm still getting the rough edges uh, sanded off. It helps me to say, God, help me love myself like you love me so I can love others. So I learned to love myself because God loves me, and I've learned to forgive in a genuine, honest way. Wow, you know, you answered some of the next question that was coming to my mind. There are so many, um, so much forgiveness on different levels to different people that you had to go through uh, the the perpetrator. Then I'm thinking of your mother and other people that had that you figured had to know. And above all, you know, like you said, you didn't do anything, but you started even mentioned for just to forgive yourself for 
I, but you didn't do anything. Yeah, so yeah. my my question is, when you as you begin to overcome this, and I'm pretty sure the viewers might think the same way that I'm thinking. You're in the middle of all this. You're the one that's going through everything. As you began to fight back, as you began to, to God was talking to your spirit, how did the people around you, did anybody ever apologize? Did anybody ever, uh, you know, that yeah. many people are like, what, what was going through anybody's head to see their child? go through these things i know it could be the from the from the view of, of what i've seen sure. and parts of your book it isn't possible for one someone to say well i didn't know yeah that's what i would think too now again the only thing i could say it was a different era you know it was a different time and people the culture society dealt with this in a different way again today there's much more advocacy and awareness we look for signs we could kind of tell a child when they're hurting or being abused that the school steps in, counselors, coaches step in. But back then, and, I, and we're not going that far, going, I'm just a little bit on the other side of 50, uh, society handled it different. Culture handled it different. The mm. awareness wasn't so much as it is today. People weren't looking for it because they wanted to ignore it. Because what did you do? How could you handle it? I'm not excusing it, but I'm thinking that's what kind of happened. Now, when it came out publicly, remember, I was already living in it for seven years. So when it started to come out beyond the abuser, beyond the, 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 the nucleus of those that are involved, it started to touch the family. It turned into a, a big old storm. And people were, wanted to protect me and they wanted me to be angry with them. And I was just super confused. And again, then about 15 months, 18 months later, I found myself in a youth group. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I started on this journey crying out to God. Now, I didn't know how to read the Bible. I actually didn't know how to read too well because I grew up in a home where I survived. I didn't get raised. I have dyslexia, so I didn't get the support and help I needed at the time. So I just started to talk to God like I'm talking to you now. And I remember people said, well, if you have faith, faith, faith of a faith can move, faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. And I told God, I said, I don't understand that. <laughs> no clue what that means, God. I didn't know what a mustard seed is. I didn't really know what faith was. And in my heart of hearts, the Lord said to me, and I really believe this is, is that, you know, through his word and through his, that inner knowing of Christ, that spirit that speaks to us. I felt like the Lord said to me, Mark, I, can you move a pebble? And I was a kid. Oh, yeah, God, I can move a pebble. Who can't move a pebble? And then one day, a few months, years later, I said, Mark, can you move a, can you move a rock? Can you move a stone? Can you move a boulder? Can you move a hill? And it kept getting progressively bigger and bigger and bigger. And then one day, and again, there was a lot of ups and downs. I wanted to throw in the towel. I felt sometimes on the mountaintop. The other times I felt in the valley with tears and struggle. But at the end of the day, I felt like God said to me, Marco, let's go move that mountain. And I knew that mountain meant forgive my mom, forgive my abuser, and forgive those. And I said, God, it's too much. It's too, how dare? I, I, I have the right to be angry. I, I have the right not to forgive, God. What happened to me was not my fault. And gently, the Lord really reminded me that he called me to forgive. And I was too afraid. Too afraid to forgive. I didn't know, I didn't know how to. But the Lord said, how did you move the pebble? And how did you move the rock? And how did you move the stone? And how did you move the boulder? And how did you move the hill? And I said, you help me, God. And in my heart of hearts, God said, now I'll help you do this. 
I'll help you forgive that and move that mountain. And again, it was not easy. Uh, it was not simple. In the book of Genesis, that it says that Jacob wrestled with an angel all night. And mm. he wouldn't let the angel go until he blessed him. And the angel said, what is your name? And Jacob yelled out, it's Jacob, which in those days meant deceiver. And he said, your name is no longer Jacob, but it's Israel because you've wrestled with God and man. And I think in a sense that those of us that have so much trouble, we're living under a name that the abuse gave us, the trauma gave us. And we have to wrestle. And it's ugly and it's hard. And we wrestle with ourselves. We wrestle with our past. We wrestle with our insecurities. Sometimes we wrestle with God. And just like Jacob, we don't want to be called deceiver. We don't want to be called abuser. We don't want to be called broken. We don't want to be called insecure. We want to know that we're okay. And when I wrestled, and I, some days I'm still wrestling, but when I wrestled, God gave me a new name. He called me from, from victim to victory, from broken to whole, from lost to found. Wow. The, um, because of your transparency, um, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you're talking like that. You're, you're talking from your experience. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> when, 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 when people go to church, and you know, that's been some things that I've discussed before with other ministers when we do our ministry. Um, that and you know, they just they cut through all everything. They says, "Okay, have faith. Okay, uh, I'm going to pray for you, and you you should be delivered by now." Okay, uh, if you have God in your life, you'll make it. You know, so all, everything is true. But they the the middle part of and the reality of the whole situation is, you know, to my prayers is that more people, people in general, but especially in, in, the, in, the, in the ministry part, in the church would, could, could have a, a better understanding. And I think, you know, because which, the, the way you're talking as a person of experience opens up, you know, that chest of all this information that people, this, I believe that's another part of, of, be, of ignoring the situation, you know, and and scuffing past, surfing over, hiding it, sweeping it under the rug. Um, just telling somebody to have faith is not enough. No, I, just, I think the, oh, the road the road of good intentions, right? You go to church. There's, there's people with, they want to be a blessing. They want to be a light. They want to be the salt. They want to be the witness. And those are all positive and good things. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the road of good intention is surrounded in ignorance. You know, yeah, I'm gonna yes, say yes. This. you know, so, uh, you know, I had to, cause I, of course I had people say things, well, you get over it, kid, you know, you know, you know, suck it up, pull yourself up, you know, and you're thinking, wait a second. So I think the road of good intentions can be, be submerged in ignorance. And, and I had to come to the place to go, you know, I know they mean well, they might be, it feels like they're punching me in the gut or stabbing me in the side, but I know I had to kind of be able to say, Lord, I know that's not what they mean as much as that hurts. So now as a pastor, I say, let's listen. Let's listen. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let's listen. And, and maybe we pray. You know, but I think, the again, I, I understand the desire to, to speak into somebody's life, to, to give them um, a, a process, to, to speak life and want to take that hurt and pain well, what do you tell a parent who's lost a child? What do you tell a spouse that's lost somebody in a tragedy? What do you tell somebody who's been abused, that di that divorce that, you know, they got married as high school sweethearts and they believed it was going to 
last forever. And then there was an affair and bankrupt. You know, sometimes we just got to listen and let the Holy Spirit minister because God's big enough to do that, right? God's big enough to pull me out of my miry clay. And I was in deep. I was in deep. And it, again, I'm, I'm, I don't have all the answers. I am far from perfect and I have my days. You know, I'm still working on struggles, cheesecake. You know, I'm still working on all my struggles, but but God is God is merciful and He's good. Amen. And then what another thing is I appreciate about you, um, because you say call call those numbers if you, you can reach out. Like I said, now today, um, and, and it used to be, and some people are still I think are, are learning even more. We still need to learn how to come out and reach out. Sure, um, sure. because this, this is a reality all this is that happened to you and whatever happens to different people it is life is reality is there and yes. it's more to it than you just can't skip over it jump over it and like you said i love how you said forgive and forget when honestly your mind shall never forget things <laughs> your memory is not going to get rid of it sure. um and the forgiveness thing, um, which you're talking about being able to forgive. Uh, I like how you you discuss how you really feel. Like, how am I supposed to forgive this person? How, how do I forgive this? How? Which way do I go? So we know that God truly uh, is one thing that as I'm listening to you, that you had you had a special will in your heart uh, uh, to overcome. You're trying to figure out how to do it. And with all the confusion, with all the conversation, with all different people coming, with their how they feel, like you say, I'm sure it could have been uh it could have been much more different if it were not that, like you said, keyword, you allowed God. That's you right. allow God to come into your life. So now people that that's stuck on that part, <laughs> you know, well, and that's just sure. like anybody can be stuck on allowing God to come in when you have uh had issues. You know, I, I, I haven't been through what you've been through, but like you said, we've all had some things in life that, that we can talk about. Uh, and, you know, and when I listened and saw what you went through, uh, sometimes it'll, it'll make you sit back and go like, look what he, look how God has brought him out. And I didn't go through what he went through, but look at him, you know. Uh, now you have a family, you have a wife, you're a pastor. Uh, this God is just doing awesome things in your life, but some, uh, some of us can't even get you know, out of our own, out of the way of the situation, so that we can allow God to come in. How do we? You know, maybe that's a big question. <laughs> how how do you how do you remove yourself so that God can come in? Well, I think that you know when we ask those hard questions, and I asked God all those questions again. I said, God, where were you? If you're a God of love, why was I raped every wow. day, God? Mm -hmm. you know, of course, I asked God. I didn't hide behind it. I don't live behind a cloud and walk on water. I'm a real man and I had feelings and I had everything. So of course I asked God, if you're real, if you're love, if you're grace, if you're merciful, if you're a miracle worker, then why did I go through this? So that's a hard question. Yes, 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 yes. Now, here's the thing. I think when you ask God a hard question, you have to get ready for a real answer. You know, I knew the answer I wanted was I was perfect and everything was great and and I'm going to justify you and I and I was you know the answer I got made so much sense to me. It doesn't make it easy, but it made sense. So the answer I got when I asked God that question in my heart of hearts and my spirit, not an audible voice, but within my spirit, I felt like the Lord said to me, 
Mark, I chose you from your mother's womb to serve me. I chose you to be of my voice. I chose you, chose you to speak my word. I chose you to be my pastor. I chose you yet when you were in your mother's womb. But the enemy knew that. And the enemy wanted to destroy you wow. from the moment you were born. Hard answer. It's not the answer I wanted, right? That's a hard answer. You mean from the time I was in my mom's womb, the enemy wanted to kill me because God chose me? And yes, but it was the perfect answer that brought me peace. Maybe that's not somebody else's answer, but that was the perfect answer for me, that I really believe that God chose me, not because I'm special, not because I have the answers, because of God's will and way and plan. He chose me to be a pastor, to speak, to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe the enemy knew of my call. And I believe from the moment I'm born from an affair, not knowing my dad, born into abuse, born into sorrow, born into neglect, the enemy tried everything to distract me from God. But God was bigger. And his ways are greater. And even in the brokenness of my pain, even in the darkness of my night, even in the hurt of all it was, his grace reached in and pulled me out. And I think it's having ears to hear. But again, I don't want to romance the story. Again, I'm telling you this on the other side of 50. Uh, there's my 30s and 40s and and I made my mistakes. I had one foot in and one foot out. I, I was questioning faith. I was building my own concept. So I went through it all. I had to repent. You know, I had to confess my sins. But God delivered me. And he said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. So, yeah, I, I, I think just being honest. that God's big. God can handle me. You know, he, he argued with Moses. He argued with the, the patriarchs. He, he can argue with Mark. I tell everybody, you know, God, I don't think God minds an argument because if we're real, he always wins. So. Wow. Well, you know, I was listening to you too. As you said, you're just being frank with God, even though God knows already. But, but this, it just seems that you have, you had a relationship with God where you just tell God exactly how you feel, you yeah. know. And, yeah. and, and many people, and I've heard people say that, well, well why is such and such, such, if God loves us sure. so much, why did he allow this and that? And um, that is a lot of people get stuck right there. <laughs> they get stuck right there. So, so what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling, and what I believe as well, with you being willing, God is able. Amen. God can do anything Amen. anyway. But if we if we can just be willing to listen and uh, just give in to God, then God is able to do anything for us. Um, I would even take it as far as sometimes we can be so stubborn sometimes in how we feel and how we think when the God knows the situation about each and every one of us anyway, um, that he still sticks right by our side the whole oh, time. Amen. He is faithful. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a God is still there. Uh, right. And then when we think back, like, man, I was, I was like this, I was like that, and I was mad, I, you know, I don't even fight. And the whole time, God is sitting there. He's just, he's right there holding you together. And that's also, right. I, I, right. I love what you, what you said, because that, that's just a, something that I've said in, confirm, in confirmation. Many times when you are really, truly chosen by God in the womb, the enemy is, he's ready to attack children as soon as they come out, right away. I mean, right away. Sure. Children, sure. And, all, and so we, we need to keep our ears open. Um, as adults, as parents, you know, as people, as Christians, um, to be able to see the signs and listen and to, and to be able to not put children off to the point where you're just a child, 
you know, uh, you're not going through anything or uh, how do you know this is this and this and that? But the enemy starts attacking children on babies. Sure. He starts to attack on babies because he already knows that if he can stop you, anybody that's going through from getting to do what God will have you do, then he he's he's living the first purpose of what the devil is supposed to do. Is mm-hmm. he doesn't want the word of God out, but you know you, you right. just can't stop God. You can't that's stop right. God. That's right. You know, and and I can just tell you, you know, God has blessed my life. There's been a lot of ups and downs. <clears throat> Pardon me. God has, uh, you know, blessed my life, and eventually I got to meet my uh, my biological father. I was 45 years old. We crossed at the best time in life. I wasn't angry anymore. I didn't need him to be daddy, but I got to kind of fill in my family tree. You know, it was just one sided for many years, and it was great to get to know my dad. And he was in my life for about five years before he passed on. We shared stories and realized some medical things and we just talked about life i met my wife we've been married almost 20 years now Uh, that's a great story my there was a woman in church who wanted me to read and i already told you i was a dyslexic and i didn't want to read in front of anybody and she's the kind of woman i think every church has one you can't say no to and uh, (laughs) she just told me to read and read and read and i got up in front of our youth group and i read broken up mixed, mixed up backwards confusing and after service, she said she homeschooled her children. Now, I was about 19 at the time, 20. And uh, she said to me, uh, you know, I'd be happy to help you. And she invited me to her house. And as I went every week, I had to learn the uh, the vowels. I had to learn different sounds. And I tell everybody when I learned T-I-O-N, then Sean and not T-O-N, it changed my life. But there was a young lady there who kind of left the house when I would come by and she'd, she'd always go in her room or she'd go in the back, giving me privacy. Well, that young girl family became my wife. So I met wow. my wife while I was learning how to read. Yeah. That's so. the biggest blessing. It's, it's that happy, that you, there is happiness there. <laughs> yeah, there is happiness. Yeah. God bless you. Amen. And then, you know, we became a father and, and really when I became a father, I have four kids and, when I became a father, I didn't want to pass on this junk. I didn't want to pass this on. I'm going to pass on enough junk. My wife says I passed down bad. I teach him how to eat bad and watch too much TV. <laughs> I know I'm going to, but I didn't want to pass down uh, a victim mentality. I didn't want to pass down the brokenness. I didn't. I wanted them to be free from that as much as I could. Again, I'm not a perfect dad, and I'm passing down enough. But I didn't want to pass that. So that. That made me press in a little deeper to the altar. And the altar brought me to counselors, coaches, psychiatrists, you know, all those that could come counselors. So I didn't do this on my own. Uh, you know, there was people who gave me uh, advice that were good advice. I had shoulders to cry on. I had people who lifted me up. Uh, you know, everybody kind of came beside me, but God was ultimately the orchestrator of it all. So, you know, I, I I wrote this book there. I was at Bible college and, you know, the Lord told me to, to, I was, I was picked to go on a traveling ministry team, me, you know, and, and one night in Canada, they asked us to uh, close the service and I shared my testimony and everybody in the church was crying. And I thought I did something wrong. I'm like, why is everybody crying? What did I do? And we would open up the altar. That's how we do it in our faith tradition. And we pray one for another. And I couldn't see the end of the line that people wanted to pray with me at. 
And uh, there I was in my early 21, 22 years old, uh, right around there. And I remember saying, God, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm still mixed up. I, I, uh, why am I praying with these people? And he said, spoke to my heart. He said, Mark, you have a powerful testimony. And someday you're going to write it down. Now, here's this dyslexic kid trying to get through Bible college, uh, failing half the classes and passing one or two. And it was the best five years of my life. The four-year college was the best five years. And, and uh, right there at the altar, God spoke to my heart again. He said, Mark, you're going to call it forgiving the nightmare. Now, it took another 30 years, 30, 25 years, another, you know, 28, 30 years that, that would have finally come into a book. My mom passed during COVID. My birth father passed. The abuser passed. So those have passed. And in the season, I, my, my, mom, my mom apologized to me every day. She told me she deserved hell because of what happened to me. Wow. I, said, I said, Mom, hell wasn't made for you. It was made for Satan. And God loves you. My mom on her deathbed, uh, the, the last season of her life, maybe not right on the deathbed, the last season of her life, she asked Jesus Christ to be her Lord and Savior. I was able to tell my abuser, and he didn't accept it. He he died in anger. He died in, uh, in lust. He died. In, but I said, you know, I've forgiven you by the grace of God. And I got to meet my dad. So, you know, and, and those three things kind of happened within about 18, 20 months of each other. The Lord said, now it's time to put it in a book. My wife and I wrote it. And, and again, another part of the journey brought us publishers and brought us people to, to be able to share the book. And we've been on the 700 Club. We've been on CTN. We've been on Cornerstone Network. And it's just been a journey to be able to say, listen, I am, I'm just a normal guy trying to figure out how to love my neighbor more, trying to figure out how to pay the bills, trying to figure out how to raise my kids, trying to love people and, and be a good part of society and a good friend and a good neighbor. And I have a story and a testimony. You know, I remember one time when, when I got a call from Mark Batterson. He's an author of a book called The Circle Maker. Boy, I felt like a, a million bucks. You know, I can't <laughs> believe. And the Lord told me that. He said, Mark, your testimony is not your story. Your testimony is my story, what I've done through you. So I've since then, I've always said, may the Lord be glorified. I don't come saying it's easy. I don't come saying it's simple. I believe in a miracle working God. I believe God, some miracles come in a moment and some miracles come on a journey. My miracle came through a journey. And I believe that with the fullness of the strength. So today I tell you, I'm I'm still I'm still I'm still the clay and he's still the potter. But he's working in me and the journey of forgiving is going deeper and deeper every day. Now as I can say here is uh, Pastor Mark so, so is, so is, is a good man. So <laughs> Soresby, sorry. So Pastor no Mark Soresby is, you are a good man. And that's what, what is good for people to see. The goodness that God has in you, for you, that is coming from you. And that that draws people. You know, that draws their spirit. It, it makes them feel better. It's, it's, they see an alternative uh, beyond themselves. It's, you know, sometimes, like you said, about the rock, about the stone, about the pebble, about the rock, about the boulder, you know, about doing that. It's like a step-by-step-by-step. Step by step. Precept-by-precept, um, step-by-step, inch-by-inch. Inch-by-inch. But wow, and this, and this time of your life, is, you're still really considered a, a young man. Well, thank you're you. In a good time of your life. <laughs> yeah, well, you're in a good time of your life, I say, with all, man, with all the knowledge that you have and 
everything that you have under your belt now is I just see that you are uh, you are you are blessed, man. You and your wife, you have a you know, and people love to see uh, a family. Seeing a family, a husband, wife, children, it's it's good for people to see. You know that these wonderful things can happen, and it can happen to anybody. You know, some people figure I can't do that. I'm, I'm this. It's not, if you feel like you're no good, because sometimes things happen to you. It makes sure. you feel like you're not worth it. You're not any good. I don't deserve it. But you are you 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 have through Christ Jesus you have defied all the odds. <laughs> well, may the Lord be glorified because again, like you said, we're a real family. Uh, my wife and I have real discussions, and sometimes we don't always agree. And our kids are growing up, and they're pushing and shoving, you know, trying to figure out how to be a good dad. My son just got his driver's license at the end of last year. Oh, Jesus! Wow. <laughs> you know, so we're we're in the middle of life, you know, and paying bills and. Again, so I don't, I, you know, I'm just a normal guy, I think, and I'm trying to be a light for Jesus Christ. And, you know, the back of my book, Forgiving the Nightmare, what I put in the back of my book, the, the a lot of it's my testimony, my memoirs, my struggle, my victories, the way I saw myself, the way I saw others. But the back of my book, the last couple of chapters is a part I call trail markers. I like to hike. And when you're on a trail, you have to follow trail markers or you'll get lost. And I put these, symbolize some of these actions and thoughts and, and verses and that I've put in my life to kind of keep me on the trail. So when I, when I feel like certain areas of my life are getting a little bit too big or loud or self-centered, I'm able to kind of check myself and say, Lord, how am I seeing myself today? Am I seeing myself as a child of God or a victim? Uh, you know, my God, am I letting my friends speak into my life? You know, or, or, or am I... Am I not letting people speak into my life? Lord, have I truly forgiven or do I think everybody's you know, blaming me? And there's, there's different trail markers that I use for me that I shared in my book to say these are some principles. They're not the only principles. There's a lot of good principles, but these are the principles I use. Or do I still love myself? Again, like I said, not in a narcissistic way, not in an unhealthy way, but you got to remember when the abuse took from me everything. But God gave me everything. But the abuse took from me that I hated myself. I walked into the room and I thought I was dirt. I had no value. I thought whenever I open my mouth, it will be it will fall to the floor. I can never add. And God said, no, you're not that bad. <laughs> you know, so the Lord has really given me life and life more abundant. Wow. And that's the key. God, has, God is life. And uh, he's got this big ball of sunshine right here, which is in you. For you know, he's we're supposed to be the light for people to kind of follow that light. You know, like they said, that beacon and light, the lighthouse, <laughs> and and that's definitely you, Pastor. I'm telling you. Well, and you um, I'm that. just so blessed, and and it's just it's a blessing to be able to talk to somebody like you, uh, you to know. be real, to tell the truth, to be transparent, and also it's it's like a guiding light because it's, it's like you said, you and 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 you're not taking credit. I hear you saying, you're not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just here. I'm just a man, but boy, you are, uh, you're an awesome piece of work from God. Amen. Well, if God could pull me out, and that's the story, you know, seven years of abuse, 20 years of blame, 30, you know, years of just self-loathing, never feeling attractive or important or valuable or anything, all those years that compound, if God could pull me out of that, believe me. 
uh, you know, I'm not some Rhodes Scholar. I'm not some uh, intellectual. I'm not some deep theologian. If God can pull me out of that, he can pull anyone out of that. It's a tough journey. There'll be tears. There'll be moments that you say, no more, God. I can't go anymore. God says, one more step. Just follow me. And I'll tell you, this victory, uh, this victory when, I guess Paul said, I died to self, so I may follow Christ. So, uh, you know, maybe that's, that, that's the simple way to say it. But thank you again for letting me share my testimony. Well, thank you for sharing that testimony. Yeah, I know uh, many people are probably, I'm sure, being blessed by it. Um, we, you started from the beginning all the way to this present time. And like, you're just a great example. So the book, now we yeah. want you to say the name of the book and you, you just tell them how they can get that book anyway. Sure. Uh, there's a couple of different ways to get the book, Forgiving the Nightmare. I use my radio voice, Forgiving the Nightmare. Forgiving the Nightmare, you can find me at forgivingthenightmare.com, forgivingthenightmare.com. That's the best way. You can go to my website. You'll see some more stories, a couple of things I've written. You can check out our YouTube page. I'm on all the all the social media platforms, LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. You can check me out there. Again, Forgiving the Nightmare. But if you want a copy of my book, just go to Amazon. Type in Forgiving the Nightmare. The book will come down. You can order it right from Forgiving the, from Amazon or you go to my website. You can order it there. Forgiving the nightmare, uh, and again, if you if you, this has blessed you, send me an email. Uh, you can write Mark at forgivingthenightmare.com. That's my email, Mark at forgivingthenightmare.com. So let me know. Say hey, you know, your testimony blessed me. Your testimony challenged me. I'd love to hear your feedback. Forgivingthenightmare.com.